0: Last week we started a new series called God-Sized, God-Sized, and uh, last week we kicked it off by talking about having a God-Sized dream. We looked at the life of Joseph and that God gave Joseph a dream when he was 17 years old and uh, 22 years it took for that dream to come to fruition. And ultimately, there's a few things that we said last week about having a God-sized dream, and that is that God ultimately has a dream for your life. He does. There is a purpose for your life. He has a dream for your life. And if you ultimately, and if you want to get to know that dream, if you want to get to know the dream that God has for you, then guess what, dude? you got to get to know God, and you can get to know God's dream for your life. And and we talked about being humble with the dream, because if you can't be humble with the dream, then you can't handle the destiny, you got to learn humility. And, and we said that there is purpose when dreams are delayed. 22 years it took Joseph to see his dream to come to fruition. And so here's what we said. If you're going to have the courage to dream, then you're going to need the courage to endure. Yeah. People say, God has a dream for your life. They're like, amen. And we're like, if you got the courage to dream, then you got to learn how to endure. They're like, ah, maybe dreaming is not that cool. You gotta learn to endure because there is purpose in the delay. Actually, it's, we said this, it's not delay for the dream. It's development to reach the dream. You have to go through that period of delay so God can develop you in your character and in your experience and wisdom so when the dream comes, you can actually handle it and not ruin it. And uh, after all, maybe we aren't supposed to chase our dreams like the world has been telling us and Disney movies have been telling us. Maybe you're not supposed to follow your dreams. Maybe just follow God, and then your dreams will catch up to you. Follow God, because he's the real giver of our dreams, isn't he? And uh, so we kicked it off last week talking about having God-sized dreams. And this morning, we're going to continue in this series and talk about God-sized generosity. God-sized generosity. Uh, we are called to be generous people. And if you've, maybe you've ever, maybe at one point in your life, you have encountered generosity towards you. Um, I remember one time I was uh, uh, really struggling with being a receiver of generosity because I'm a, I like to be a giver, and uh, and, and, and someone that kind of uh, I gave a voice to my life was like, listen, you need to be better about letting people bless you, and I'm like, but i I, I, I I want to be a blessing. I don't, want to be, I don't want to receive, I want to give. And they're like, no, you, you have to learn how to receive. And so you know how God taught me how to be a better receptor of generosity? He started giving me things. And it, and it felt awful. And I, like I had to, I'm like, I don't want this. And, and God began to do it in little ways. Like one time, I was at a gas station in Indianapolis, Indiana, where we lived at the time. And, and I went in, and, uh, and when I came back out after uh, paying for my gas, and I came back out, someone put money underneath my windshield wiper. And I was like, oh, "God, what are you doing?" And um, I like to be a giver. I don't want to. And so, like, he was teaching me about a heart of generosity and a heart of receiving. That that if you only exhale, you will die. <laughs> Breathing is two parts, and uh, and so uh, so God-sized generosity. So God began to just drip generosity. And I remember, like, and it was it was only like five dollars. But when that five dollars was under my windshield wiper, I had this this sense in me that like although I had no idea who put it there, and like my, immediate thought, my immediate thought was, that's from the Lord. And I began to realize that that's what generosity does. When somebody encounters generosity, and especially if it's generosity with an untouched name, untouched face, when they experience just a true, authentic, generous heart, I think it moves someone to say, that's God looking, on, on, looking down on me. Even to someone that would not even necessarily call themselves a follower or believer in God, when there's a random act of generosity in their life, I think they just say, something greater must know my need. And that's what generosity does. God-sized generosity. We moved to be a very generous church at New Life. And like we talked about a little bit earlier, we talked about it all year, we've aligned our entire financial structure at New Life Church to be even more generous than we already were. And, and it be, we just know that that's our call, and, and it is to be generous. Generosity, it moves the hearts of people, and it moves the hearts of God. God-sized generosity. I want to show you a couple things in the Bible that, that the word believe is used 272 times. I many not even know you should believe. <laughs> well, you should believe. The word pray is used 371 times. I don't even know that we should pray. We should definitely pray. Jesus says, and when you pray. So it's, in, it's in implied that we will be people of prayer. Love is used 714 times. Come on, love somebody. Give me, show me some love. The word give is used 2,161 times. The word give or the derivative of give. And really it's a word that, that is a Hebrew word called Siddaka. tzedakah, tzedakah is, a, is the word for give it's the word for, for generosity but the same word generous or generosity is also the word righteousness the word righteousness in Hebrew is sedak. and if you really want to be authentic you got to get a little bit of a phlegmy sound in your throat when you say it tzedakah, which I can't do I can barely speak English, and so you can hear it in the word righteousness, siddak, tzedak, generosity, tzedakah. So our righteousness and generosity are actually interwoven together. Jesus says, "If you are if uh, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be filled." In other words, if you hunger and thirst to feed hungry and thirsty people, you will never go hungry and thirsty. If, you're, if the righteousness of your life equates to generosity, then God will fill you. He will, he will touch your life. He will move upon you. 2,161 times God uses, uh, the, the scriptures use the word give, sedaka, generosity. And equates it to righteousness. So to live a righteous life means to be a generous person, and so I th- so um, it's obvious. And the first thing I want you to know is that God emphasizes generosity because God is generous. How many of you have ever encountered the generosity of God? I would tell you that if you are a follower of Jesus, then you absolutely have encountered the generosity of God. So obviously we see from Scripture, time and time again, generosity being a topic, being a theme in Scripture so many times, and God emphasizes it because it's who he is. God is generous. Generosity gives and doesn't expect anything in return. Generosity sends your only son into the world in order to die. Knowing that he would be rejected, he was the cornerstone that was rejected, but Jesus came, he lived the perfect life you and I couldn't live, then he died the death you and I deserved. So that we could have freedom from sin and find forgiveness for free. That's pretty generous. One of the most known scriptures in the world by believers and unbelievers, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he what? He what? Gave. One more time. Gave. He gave. God's emphasis of, on generosity is because he is generous. He gave. And what did he give? He gave a million dollars. He did not. He gave all the riches in all the world. He did not. He gave something that is far more valuable than money. If someone told me, if we're going to cut off both of your legs for a billion dollars, I actually would tell them no. If someone said, if you die, I'll give you all the money in all the world. Well, then what good would the money be if I'm dead? Can I give it to my wife? Non-transferable. We'll put it in your name, but you have to die, and you can have all the money in all the world. I'm not taking the deal. I can't spend it. It doesn't go to heaven with me. So it's a... So obviously there is something that is more valuable than any amount of money, and it's your life. And when God chose to show his generosity to humanity, it didn't go to your bank account. That's not, that's not how God chose to show his generosity. He can. The ultimate display of God's generosity was that he gave his son there is nothing more valuable than life. We already admit that we wouldn't take all the riches of the world, all the billions and trillions of dollars, but to die. But Jesus chose to die as the payment to purchase all of humanity and to forgive sin and to bring healing and deliverance. That is a generous God. God. God has been showing us all throughout scripture just how generous he was, all the way back to Abraham and Isaac when he says, "Uh, Abraham I want you to take this son that you've waited so long for and I want you to take him up on that mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me and Abraham's like oh okay and he he goes up there but before he sacrifices his own son, God stops him and then provides a sacrifice, a bull, a, a ram stuck in a bush and what's so significant about that story is because at that time, this was unheard of. They, people worshiped so many gods, but the, for the first time in history, it was documented that a God stopped the sacrifice and then provided one. And it was pointing to a larger sacrifice to come, that God would stop all of our recklessness and then provide his own son. God is generous, He's generous. He bankrupt everything that was important to him, his own son, to set us free. God is generous. Ephesians 1, seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Speaking of redemption, we have been bought back. We have been forgiven. We have a second chance at life because of the death of Christ. The forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he then has lavished on us i love that i have a rich daddy my daddy he's filthy rich my dad is so rich Mm. so wealthy he's rich in grace he's rich in mercy he's rich in kindness everything on the earth belongs to him And I feel pretty good knowing that that's my dad. Wouldn't you? It says that that in him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God. God is a generous God. And he chooses you and me as objects of his generosity. So God's emphasis on generosity is because he is generous. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to what? According to the what? One more time, the what? The riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My dad is filthy rich. Filthy rich. He has so much richness that he can even forgive sin. So rich that he can take the worst of us, as Paul would say, of which I am the worst, Paul would say, and even save me and promise me eternity in heaven with him, where the streets are paved of gold. Have you seen the rose in Indiana? (laughs) I'm so excited, so excited that they just repaved East Vale Avenue right out here. I'm so pumped. When I saw that, I was like, thank you, Jesus, that you have paved a new road for all the people coming to New Life Church. I'm like, let's go, let's go. And then God's like, yeah, guess what I paved my roads with, with all the people I'm bringing to heaven. And I'm like, gold. He paves the streets with gold. I got a a rich daddy. I got a rich daddy, and he chooses me as an object of his generosity. So his emphasis on generosity is because God is generous. And so the second thing I want you to know is that because God is generous, he calls us to be generous with a God-sized generosity. That's his call, that we would also reflect the love of God with the same generosity of God. Because remember, I found that $5 bill on my windshield wiper and I was like, man, God, you must really love me. And I realized, generosity shows the love of God. Paul says it like this, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Not the fear of God leads people to repentance, Not preach hell and people will repent. Not the wrath of God will lead people to repentance. No. The kindness of God leads people to repentance. The scripture also says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And the word gospel means good news. Good news. I got bad news for you, you're going to hell and you need Jesus. (laughs) I got good news, you've got a rich dad and he bankrupt heaven to have you and if you put your faith in him, he'll fill you with purpose and a God-sized dream. You can have eternity in heaven and not hell. This is fantastic news if you only knew how much my God loved you and is generous towards you. He's rich in grace, he's rich in mercy. You turn away from that junk and you find your purpose God is generous, he's calling us to be generous. So let's do it, let's be generous people. I've known waitresses and waiters that say I, 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 that, that, they say, I can't stand the Sunday afternoon crowd. Like what are you talking about? All these people, they come from, they come from church and then they come and they eat their meal and like, they, they just tip lousy. I'm like, are you serious? Like yeah, they tip lousy. Like what are you talking about? Like they'll leave me 50 cents, they'll leave me $2. And listen, if you can't tip at least 20%, you can't afford to eat out. Let's be generous, let's be generous. And so go to Wendy's if you can't tip 20%. That's where you'll find me. Got that five dollar baggy bag, you know what I'm saying? It's six bucks now, by the way. Inflation. God's called us to be generous, because he's generous. Because he's generous, that's his call. James 2, 14, this is what it says. What good is it, brothers and sisters, New Life Church, what good is it if someone claims to have faith and no deeds? What if I said it like this? What good is it to claim that you are a follower of Jesus and be stingy? What good is it? Can such faith save you? Or what if I said it like this? Suppose you encounter a brother or sister who is without clothes, and daily food, and and you would just say to them, go have peace, be warm and well kept, well fed, but does nothing about their physical need. What good is that? I'm hungry, I'm cold, and you have the ability to feed the hungry, but you reserve it for yourself. What good is that? Jesus tells a story of a guy that, the he uses this story to basically send, that's the kind of person I condemn to hell, And it's a man who, who, who his fields just like uh, exploded. He has such a large yield in his fields that year and your crop was considered your wealth. He became so wealthy because his crops multiplied and, and had such a great yield that he had no idea what to do with his wealth. And then he had the idea. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tear down all my barns. Then I'm gonna build bigger barns so I can store all my wealth and then I'm gonna retire and just enjoy it. And Jesus says, tonight you die. He condemned that man. In other words, it's this. If you have the ability to help somebody who can't help themselves, but you reserve it only for yourself, Jesus says, go to hell. You have the ability to help somebody who can't help themselves, but you keep it to yourself out of selfishness, out of laziness, Jesus condemns that. God is generous, and he calls his people to also be generous. 1 John three seventeen Again, another scripture says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but this is the, this is the key, and has no pity that's the heart, has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? To have no pity. You may not be able to respond financially to a need. You may also not have enough to help others, but to to have pity. It says, but to have no pity. Can the love of God be in that person? The love of God gives, gives us pity for those that are suffering, and the pity isn't enough. The pity for others should move us to compassion. And compassion is always action. What good is it? And then do nothing. Compassion is action. In Matthew 25, there's this scripture verse that we use when we talk about our, when on every Easter New Life Church, we give a gift to Jesus. You remember this? Every Easter, we say, Jesus, because you were such a great gift, because of your death, burial, and resurrection, we're going to give you a gift on Easter. And every Easter, our gift to Jesus is based on Matthew 25, where it says that whatever you do for the least of these, you did to me. The story goes on that when we, when we go into the other side of eternity, we would be separated to the left and the right, the goats and the sheep. And on one side, he says, ultimately, the master says, Thank you for feeding me. When I was alone, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to see me. When I was hurt, you took care of my needs. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And they all all look around and go, God, when did we do that for you? When you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. So every Easter at New Life Church, we say, okay, God, we're gonna give you a gift. Every Easter, And we give generously in an offering to help people that can't help themselves. And if I can just, uh, again, just praise our church for a second to give God glory, each Easter we have responded to feeding kids all around the world. Tens of thousands of dollars have been given. This past uh, Easter, we gave to see women rescued from the sex slave industry in Madrid, Spain. And this church gave $15,000 in that offering, and then... And then a business person came alongside of us and said, "Actually, you gave because you gave $15,000 to Project Rescue to save women. I'm going to give you an extra $10,000." And and because of that, New Life Church on Easter gave $25,000 to rescue women in Madrid, Spain, from the sex slave industry. Glory to God. He multiplied our generosity because He's generous. He is generous. And so when you do these things unto the Lord, the Lord is saying, you did them to me. On the contrary, Matthew 25, this is what it says also, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. This is the important part. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous, the sadak, the sadaka, the righteous, the generous to eternal life. God is generous. He calls God's people to be generous. So the third thing I want you to know is we need to live with God-sized generosity. God-sized generosity. God-sized generosity is ultimately our response to Jesus. The reason we are generous as a church is because we remember the height from which we were have fallen. We remember that dark and destitute place that Jesus found us. And because we encountered such incredible forgiveness and grace and mercy from God, we'll be generous. Because we know what it's like to be the recipient of such heavenly, eternal generosity. Because ultimately, where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be without his life, his teachings, his death, burial, and resurrection? We'd be lost. I'd be lost. His life for our sin? How generous of him. How can our response to salvation be anything but God sized generosity. How can it? For freely we receive, now what? Freely we give. Wow, yeah. God sized generosity. This one time, there was this man. He was a chief tax collector, which means he was a cheater and a liar. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about in the early first century. Chief tax collectors were known for for cheating, collecting more than they should, pocketing some, returning the the, the other to Rome. But he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief of tax collectors. He had heard about Jesus, heard of his message, and probably even heard that Jesus would... uh, even save a wretch like him but nonetheless he decided he needed to see this Jesus and hear this Jesus and so he attempted to but he had a problem a wee little man was he if you know the song Zacchaeus was a short man and he couldn't see over the crowd so he decided to climb up in that sycamore tree And when Jesus came by, he could see Jesus, and Jesus notices Zacchaeus up in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, get down from there, and let's go to your house. And he goes with Zacchaeus to his house, and then we pick up in Luke 19, this is what it says. It says, and all the people who saw this began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, this Jesus But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, this is what Zacchaeus said, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of all my possessions to the poor and if I cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Watch what Jesus' response now. You know what Zacchaeus today? Salvation has come to your house. Salvation has come to your house. Zacchaeus' response to an in, one encounter with Jesus was generosity because he knew he had been a cheat. He knew that it was more than just money. And an encounter with Jesus will make you generous too. So God-sized generosity, it's our response to Jesus. God-sized generosity also gives over and above. God's sized generosity is like, okay, what's the minimum? What's the minimum I can give? Pastor said 20% at the restaurant, so I guess let's get out the calculator. My total times 0.20 equals that's okay. God's sized generosity is just that. It's generous over and above. This one time, Moses was instructed by the Lord to erect the tabernacle, and it was very specific with the materials that were used and they they contracted all of the the greatest skilled laborers in all of Israel and then they took an offering from Israel to give to help finance the building of the tabernacle which would be the place of the presence of God and so the people of God the people in Israel they began to they were so moved in obedience to get to help finance the building of the tabernacle that they gave and then they gave so freely that Moses had to say, hey, go tell the people to stop giving. We have more than enough. They, because they were giving over and above. They were so excited. They were moved by generosity. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 36. They received from Moses all the offerings from the Israelites that, that they had brought to carry out the work in constructing the sanctuary. And all the people that continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning and verse 6 says then moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary and so the people were restrained from bringing more i've never had this problem before Hey, New Life Leadership Team, we got to tell New Life Church to stop giving. It's way too much. We need to make sure they're taking care of their families. We got to stop giving. But God's size generosity, it, it gives over and above. It gives over and above. god size generosity is more than money. Being generous is not always about money. Being generous is it, it's how you use your time. There are people in our church that are so generous with their time. They're so generous in using their talents, their ability to love and to serve in some way. Being generous with your time, being generous with your energy, being generous with your kindness, being generous with support, being generous in encouragement. Jesus once mentioned, that we should love our neighbor. And someone poses the question, hey, uh, Rabbi, uh, who's my neighbor? So Jesus tells a story about who our neighbor is. He says there's a man going down the road. He was robbed and he was beaten and he was left in the ditch for dead. A priest came by. And automatically you might think, oh good, help is on the way. A priest sees the man dying in the ditch and he crosses on the other side because he had somewhere to be more important than the dying man. A Levite came by who also is priestly. And the Levite sees the dying man in the ditch and he too decides his schedule is more important than this dying man. And then Jesus says a Samaritan came. In other words, he says, someone that you can't stand comes by. And when he sees the man, he has pity. Let's look at the scripture real quick. Luke 10 is where the story is. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, here's the key, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. The Samaritan was so generous, generous with his time, generous with compassion, generous with kindness generous to 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 help restore this man and he was also yes generous with his money so when i when i say generosity you're like oh here he is here's a pastor another christian pastor asking for money i'm not asking you for money i'm asking you to be generous there's a difference yes is it financial of course it can be and why wouldn't we be generous After what we just talked about, that God is generous and you are a recipient of his generosity. Of course we would be generous. And of course I would encourage you to be generous like God was to you. Of course I would. But it's not always just about money. Are you generous at work? Are you generous with your spouse? Are you generous with your kids? Are you generous with your neighbor? When your neighbor keeps mowing a little too, too close to the edge of your property, and they, uh, are you generous? As you can see, that has bothered me in the past. And I'm like, you know, keep your mower off my grass. I, you know, I'm a grass guy. I like my grass looking a certain way. Your mower, you mow too low. And you keep chopping up my stuff. Uh, so you've got to be generous with your kindness. You've got to be generous with your patience. You've got to be generous with your love. So God-sized generosity is not always about money. But also God-sized generosity is, is not about an amount of money either. God-sized generosity, ooh, God-sized. Pastor's talking about God-sized generosity. Yes, I am. And God-sized generosity, it's not always about an amount. We think God-sized And we begin, because we think form, we think God's size is big and God is big. But this one time, Jesus, when he would go visit the temple, you know where he would sit? He would sit somewhere where he would have a plain view of everybody who gives in the offering. The Bible says that Jesus was watching what people gave. So when we're paying our tithes, like Jesus is watching. In Mark chapter 12, it says Jesus sat down opposite the place where the, offering, uh, where the offerings were, were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a widow, a, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, the poor widow, watch this, put more into the treasury than all the others. They, speaking of the others, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything she had to live on. So, God sized generosity, it's not about an amount. She gave two small coins. The two small coins that she gave, you need 64 of those small coins to equal one day's wages, which in their time, it was called a, a denarii. A denarii was one day's wages. You needed 64 of these coins to equal one day's wages. Well, the if, if you look at, if you research the average income in Kokomo, Indiana, and you divide it then by 64, and then you multiply that by two, then we can understand how much of an offering she put in if she were to walk into New Life Church and put that amount in the box today. And ultimately, what she would have put in the offering, the, tre- the temple treasury in-, in Kokomo, Indiana, would be $5.31. And that was her offering. But it wasn't just $5.31. It was her last $5.31. It was her only five dollars and 31 cents it was also all that she had she put in five dollars and 31 cents and didn't know where lunch was going to be she put in five dollars and 31 cents and didn't have a plan for dinner she gave all she had and jesus says that was a god-sized generosity she gave out of her poverty. And it exposed the heart of the giver. She gave with total reliance on God. Others gave out of their margin. We have so much, look how much I can, I have so much money, look how much I can get away with giving and I'm still fine because I rely on the security of money. And Jesus says, this little woman gave more than all those. Wow. Wow. So God-sized generosity isn't about an amount then, but it is about an attitude. So when we are generous, when God, whatever God has called you and how to be generous, it's not the amount, but it is the attitude. And I will tell you this, sometimes he'll change your attitude with the amount he asks you to give. And you go, wow, that is a God-sized uh, offering there, Lord. Um, to be faithful in that would take faith, and that is the point. That's the point. god size is generosity. It's not an amount. A friend of mine, one time we were in ministry, we were working on this campaign to really help young people with understanding righteousness and generosity and, uh, and, and what it means to be generous, what it means to love your neighbor. Searching the Bible for, for an understanding of what it means to know God. What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to know God? searching the scripture. I'm sure that you could you could be creative, you could find some scripture that would really really tell you that could tell you what it means to know God, but I did find one that specifically said when God out of his mouth said, "And this is what it means to know me." You want to know what it is? It's Jeremiah 22:19. This is what it says. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is this not what it means to know me? declares the Lord. Is this, not, no, is this not what it means to know me? To be generous to those who can't help themselves. And so to know God is to know generosity. Because we were first the recipients of his generosity. And generosity is more than money, generosity is not an amount. But it is an attitude. And it does take faith. So let me ask you. Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you generous? Are you generous with your life? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous in encouragement to those around you? Are you generous with kindness? Are you generous with compassion? Do you you have pity for those that can't help themselves? Or do you just say... they probably made some really dumb decisions and now they're just getting what they got. They're just getting what's coming to them. Or do we have pity? Do we have the kind of pity that God had on you when he saw you and the mistakes you were making and the and the failures you experienced and do we have that kind of compassion that God had for us? Do you know him? Is this not what it means to know me says the Lord? So a couple, a couple tough questions. I'm not, I'm not here to, to convince you to be a tither or anything like that. That was January. You can go back and listen to that series. We talked about biblically what it means to give. But, but do you know him? Are you a tither? Do you know him? Are you a kingdom builder? We talked about that earlier. Do you know him? Are you kind? Do you know him? Are you compassionate? Do you know him? Are you generous? Do you know him? If you don't know him, I want you to know that the greatest expression of love and kindness that you could ever encounter is in Christ Jesus. And when you encounter that kind of love, that kind of grace, that kind of mercy, it will transform your life. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? You can know him. It's simply by faith. He's given us his word. It is is the authority, the authoritative word of God. You can know him. You can know him. Get, keep yourself in the right environments. Seek, and you will find. If you seek with all your heart, do you know them? If you don't know them, you're about to experience the greatest move of love and compassion you've ever seen. You're about to experience the greatest levels of freedom that you've ever had. Would you stand with me this morning as we wrap up? And if you're here, if you are here today, and, and you're like, I only came to church because I just, I, uh, I've just had questions. I know I need, to, I need a change in my life. I know I need something to be different. And I just think that maybe I need to start with something spiritual. And you are right. Your first step into life change is a step towards God. And I don't want you to leave today without first encountering the generous love of God. He is rich in grace and mercy, and he's ready to lavish it upon you. The word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For it's with the mouth that we confess and are justified it's the heart that we believe and are saved. And so it's simply just that. It's confessing uh, that I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I've made mistakes, and making him the Lord of your life. And he's so generously through just, all you have to do is just have faith, put your trust in him. He's so generous that he will take every mistake every failure, every hurt, and every pain, and he will erase it. It says that he will remove your sin and your mistakes and your failures as far as the east is from the west, not the north from the south, because north and south meet on both ends of the globe. East and west never touch each other. If you go east, you'll never go west. If you go north, eventually you start going south. And that's how far he removes his sin, your sin from you, as far as the east is from the west. It's pretty generous. And if you're ready to encounter the generosity of God for the forgiveness of sins, it's just confession. We, we use a word, it's called repentance. Repentance means that you are going to turn the other way. You're gonna do a 180 degree from where you're going right now, you're gonna turn the opposite direction and run back into the arms of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Devin, like, I need a, to make a fresh start in life and I know it needs to be a step towards God then you need to take that step in the opposite direction of where you're going. We call that repentance, to turn the other way and run towards the arms of your loving, gracious Father. If that's you today, I'm gonna to pray, and you can, you can kind of make this prayer your own, you can use your own words in the quietness of your heart. But it just sounds like this, it says, Lord, I, I know that I am in need of change. I need to do something different. I've made some terrible mistakes of which I'm sure you are fully well aware. And Lord, I can't do it on my own. And so today I just ask that you would forgive me, wash me and cleanse me from all the filth of my life. I need a fresh start. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you be the Lord of my life? And I don't even know what all that means yet. I still have questions. I still have things I don't understand, but I know my first step is to turn and make a step towards you. And I just commit to, be, to, to just figuring out the rest and, and getting into your word and, and getting plugged into the church. And I know I need you. Would you save me in Jesus name. And if you pray a prayer like that, something like that in your own words, I want you to know that your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. All of you leave today different. You leave today with a fresh start. You leave today and all the debts of your life have been canceled by the generosity of God. How awesome is that? We're gonna sing one last song and, and end out on a, on, a, on a good note here in worship. And as we do, I just pray that the Lord would begin to show you areas of your life where you need to grow in generosity. Maybe you need to grow in being generous in your kindness and encouragement, and generous with your, with your family. Maybe you need to become a kingdom builder. Maybe you need to become a tither and follow God in obedience in that way.